Leaning on everlasting arms. Hey, my name's David Vaughn. Welcome to church today online and on campus. We're still on mission. My job today is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comforted. And I don't think that I will have a problem doing either one. Sit down with me, if you would, for just a second on the counselor's couch for some post-election day therapy. Oh my, I can see it with some of y'all. You're struggling based on my email inbox and text. David, David, oh my gosh. Welcome to some group counseling. How are we doing? How are we doing? All right, I thought so. I want to practice with you what I have been doing some from time to time of late, especially. Let's do some mindfulness and let's do some breathing. Are you ready? Now, this, we need a collective breath. So do this with me. Let's breathe in. Let's breathe out. In with the good. Out with the bad. See, I've already helped you all. You all get so much stuff here. You're so spoiled. We have been doing a series called Talking Points. And from a counselor's perspective, a pastoral counseling perspective, I want to give you some information. We have been choosing relationships over politics. Aren't you glad? If we look back three weeks ago, we can review where we've been. We've learned what it looks like to disagree politically, love unconditionally, as we strive for unity. That is going to be so critical in the next weeks and coming months and even years. We have learned that everybody wants a piece of Jesus and thinks he's on their side. They still do, by the way. We learned that our hope is not found in the White House, but in your house and God's house. And as I speak, the election seems decided. But listen to me. If you think God's kingdom will win or lose based on who won, Your view of politics is way too big, and your view of God is way too small. And many of you have been choosing relationships over politics. You are starting to see the world differently. A couple weeks ago, I got an email from a member. I love this. This is what he said. David, in light of the current sermon series, I wanted to share with you a real-life experience from last week. I'm very active on buy and sell sites locally and nationally. Last week, I listed a set of four chairs, which gained a lot of attention. And the first person to negotiate a reasonable offer set an appointed time to come by our house and pick them up. As time grew close, I texted them to give specific instructions, since I'd already put the chairs out front on the driveway to help them load up. They came and immediately left, though, without telling me, and he included the text train here. Here's the actual text train. The person who's buying or wanted to buy the chair said this, can I come now? Yes, hope your vehicle will hold these, the member said. I have a truck. That works, the member said. I came, but I left. Thank you anyway. And our member said, I don't understand. Not what you expected. Here's what the person said. I felt very uncomfortable in your neighborhood. I thought it was best that I go. Thank you. The member said, we have lived peacefully in the heart of Bridgetown for over 20 years. I could not understand why anyone would not feel comfortable here. I went out on our front porch and looked up and down our street with different eyes. Could it have been my thin blue line flag hanging from the porch? 
my Jesus is my Savior, Trump is my president sign in the yard, or the multiple Trump flags and signs up and down the street. Your message and video made me more aware that there are people who don't think, live, or vote like me. I'm a tough nut to crack, but it's a start. I love that. That was just two weeks ago. People are starting to see their world differently because we see life not as it is. Honestly, we see life as we are. And we live in what I would describe, some of y'all been around a lot longer than me, we live in what I would describe as the most polarized period in U.S. history, maybe short of the Civil War. Everything is politicized right now. School openings have been politicized. Masks have been politicized. Mass protests politicized. The virus has been politicized. The American flag has been politicized. I cannot believe I'm even saying that. Sports have been politicized. And oh, poor Dr. Fauci. <laughs> the Republicans loved him. Then the Democrats loved him. Now nobody loves him. Now everybody loves him. Poor Dr. Fauci. He's just trying to help. There are no neutral topics right now, and apparently there aren't even any neutral people anymore. And can I just say this as your pastor on the counseling couch? I have been on the receiving end of your therapy of saying what you think over the last few months because I've heard from people who are members of our church, who have been members for years, who have left our church or seriously thinking about leaving our church over one sermon or one decision that we delivered here especially the decision a while back to suspend services, because according to them, now that, David, you and the church have bowed the knee to Caesar and refused to take a stand on some political or cultural issue, guess what? I'm out. I'm out. After all those years, I'm out. Come on, man. I say I'm already sounding like Biden already. Come on, man. But some people, can I just be honest, those of you watching online and those of you in this building, can I just say that some of y'all are completely off the rails. You're completely off the rails. You have lost your moorings. You've lost your bearings. You've lost your North Star Jesus. So it was my intent in this series to right-size our view of politics and God, to have you pay attention to a spiritual kingdom up there that's so much more eternal and so much grander and greater than any physical, political kingdom down here. Quit putting your hope in what happens down here. It will always disappoint you. It will always distract you. It will always discourage you. Great theologian N.T. Wright said it well, politics will stop being our demon when politicians stop being our gods. And my subtitle for this series was kind of to make everybody mad. And based on text and emails, I have been somewhat successful. It's really funny to me, too. I've been doing ministry a long time. The people encouraging the pastor to speak out boldly on certain matters and not be concerned with offending anyone often assume that they're the ones who won't be offended. This is funny to me. Like, go tell them how it is. And then when I tell them how it is, well, I didn't know you were going to tell it like that. So just in case you think I've lost my mind or I have abandoned the faith because of this last series, let me say this to you. Do you hear me? Hear me well. I still... I still believe strongly in the sanctity of life. Friend, abortion is wrong. It's forgivable, but it is evil. We cannot compromise on that. I still believe in the sanctity of marriage between one woman, one man for one lifetime. But I also still believe in helping the poor, defending the oppressed, and standing up for liberty and justice for all. 
It's really funny. Of those four things I just mentioned, which are all highly charged cultural and sometimes scriptural issues, of those four things, the Republicans own two of them and the Dems the other two. But here's the thing about the church. We have to own all four. We cannot turn our back on any of those things. That, that is just how the kingdom works. So hear me. I know because some of you think, uh, David, what has happened to you? I am not an advocate of liberal theology, of critical theory, but of biblical fidelity. And beyond that, extreme charity or love. Now, this is the heart of what I want to say to you today. I just believe and have for some time, because I've been on the cultural champion side, as many of you know, for a long time. I just now believe that ultimately, the ultimate answer to address and fix these four cultural things in particular long term is outside the political arena. I believe it's outside. I don't care who's in office. I don't care the policy. I don't care the politics. I don't care the appointments. The real solution to what ails our problem and dealing with these issues is found in a person, Jesus Christ, who has already been elected leader of the whole galaxy and universe forever. It is us living in the tension of grace and truth, having a relationship. Uh, these things are fixed through conversations, not elections. It means living in love. It's living with one another the way Jesus wanted, love being the greatest commandment at all. See, Jesus transcends and supersedes all of our political categories, no matter how important they may be to us. So this week, we Christians should meditate on what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2. This is so applicable. I've been reading it a lot this last week, not knowing who's in, who's out, what's going to happen to our election. Here's what Peter said, and he wrote this to an empire that was killing Christians now. I know some of us think we're persecuted. You have no idea what Christians that we stand, whose shoulders we stand on, died for this truth. And into that culture, Peter writes this, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right, for it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Oh, I can, I, there's a whole other sermon right here. Oh, help me, Lord. There's a lot of ignorant talk by foolish people today in and out of the church. How you silence that? By doing good. Voting is great. Go for it. But it's doing good that will change this world. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Here's the admonition right now, post-election. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Don't we need to show proper respect to everyone? Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Honor the emperor, whoever that emperor may be. Well, David, that is like so naive. This is the west side of Cincinnati now. Have you forgotten who you're talking to? This is how we vote. This is how we change the world. That is so. Do you actually think, some of you are thinking, that this stuff Peter and Jesus said will make a real difference? So much is changing, David, in our culture. And by, I, get it, I get it. I'm grieving. I'm grieving a loss of values, loss of freedom, loss of morality in our country. But David, isn't it a bit naive to think that Jesus' prayer for unity and relationship and love and putting that ahead of the political filter will work? Well, let me tell you what naive really is. Naive is this. 
a first century rabbi from nowhere, as far from the epicenter of power as he could be, way up north, standing out in this hot Syrian sun, surrounded by 12 guys much younger than him, no political clout, who those guys didn't even like each other sometimes, listened to and believed this rabbi who said, guys, I'm going to build a church. It's going to be a movement. I'm calling it my ecclesia, which, by the way, was illegal. I'm going to build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now that is naive. You're going to do what? With who? Us? But you know what? Neither Rome, nor culture, nor political structure, any nation everywhere has been able to stop that. Now that's naive. But he did, and it did, and you're sitting here today because those guys believed in something above this earth. They believed in a savior, a kingdom of greater citizenship that literally changed not only the Roman Empire, it changed the world. So let me just say this to you. I'm grateful to be a citizen of a country where we can choose our leaders, but I'm even more thankful to be a citizen of a kingdom where the king chose us. Big difference. So three things I'd ask you to do, and no, I didn't get this from Biden's speech last night. So David, I, you just sound less like Biden. <laughs> I have never wanted to move away from anything more than presidents right now of any kind, any creed, any background. It is not the solution to our world, friend. It is not. Vote for who you want to vote for. Rally for who you want to rally for. But here's what we need right now. Three things. Civility, humility, and urgency. Number one, we need civility for each other. Listen to this in Romans 12. Again, written to a godless empire. It's right before Romans 13, which tells us we have to submit to whoever those governing authorities are because they were established by God. Doesn't mean that God likes everything the government does, but we are to live at peace when possible. Check this out. Romans 12 verse 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. <laughs> I love this, the first four words, if it is possible. <laughs> Do you realize that there's some people it is impossible to live at peace with them? I can just get on your Twitter and your Facebook feed and tell you whether it's possible to live at peace with you. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That's good. Do not take revenge, my dear friends. But leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. I know some of y'all, man, we're going to go back and get those dims next time. We're gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I, I, have, I got revenge. It's God's job to make things right. It's not your job to make things right. Your job is to love. It's his job to repay. But David, I want to be God's helper. <laughs> he don't need your help. Do not take revenge. It is mine to On the contrary... Here's the citizenship of heaven thing. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If it is thirsty, if it's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. People on the other side of the political spectrum don't know what to do with love. They don't know what to do. Once they sense it's real, they don't know what to do with it. It's a foreign thing to them, but it shouldn't be foreign to those of us in the church. See, politics requires, think with me now, politics requires an enemy for sustainability. That's why Congress never wants to get along. 
It's not in anyone's best interest for them to get along. We are the victims of the enemy. Our real enemy is not each other, friend. It's the evil one, the one that wants to disturb and distract and dissuade us. He's the divider of the brethren. Our real enemy, I've learned this, is not another person. It's the devil. Everyone else is just a victim of that enemy. And you know what? In our world right now, civility needs to reign again. In our world right now, civility is such a minority position. It's, it, civility, in my opinion, is the thing that we've lost in our culture. And you don't even have to be a Christian. Those of you watching online, not all of you are Christians. Some of you in the room, not all your Christ followers yet. You're watching us to see how we're going to respond. Get that? But you don't even have to be a Christian to show civility. I don't know if you saw the governorship race in Utah between those two candidates. Check out this short clip. This was their political ad. And I'm Spencer Cox. We are currently in the final days of campaigning against each other to be your next governor. And while I think you should vote for me. Yeah, but, but really you should vote for me. There are some things we both agree on. We can debate issues without degrading each other's character. We can disagree without hating each other. And win or lose in Utah, we work together. So let's show the country that there's a better way. My name's Chris Peterson. And I'm Spencer Cox. And we, we approve, approve this message. I don't know those guys' faith background if they even believe in Jesus. But don't you feel that's a better way to do life? To raise that level of civility up and intensity and enemies lower. So we need civility. Number two, we need humility for prayer right now. Humility for prayer. There's a verse that always surfaces around election time. I don't know why it's just election time from 2 Chronicles 7. Got to be careful in interpreting it because it was written to the Jewish people through King Solomon. But here's what God said to them, and some of the principles still apply. God is talking to Solomon about the problems of his culture, and here's what it says in verse 13. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or command locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people. <laughs> I think God sent the plague just to wake us up. If When I do these things, if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves. Notice the position. The posture is humility. And pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. And I will heal their land. Not only do we need civility, we need humility. Humility to bow the knee and say, God, I don't know it all anymore. God, my power is insufficient. Your power is all sufficient. So I just want to pause, and I want to try to do what they just did right there. If, if you can get off your seat and pray, bend the knee. If you can't, stay in your seat. I just want to try to do what this scripture says right here for just a moment. So bow with me in prayer. In humility. <clears throat> Dear Father, if ever you are needed in our country, it is now. We have a nation that's divided and distracted and discouraged. We have a church that is divided, distracted, and discouraged. So, Father, forgive us for our sin. You 
said that if we would call on your name and humbly ask for your help and seek your face and turn from our wicked ways, that God, you would hear from heaven and forgive us of our sin and begin to heal our land. So we come to you now as God's people, in God's place, committing that we are not going to put our hope in a political system. I don't care this year, four years, eight years, it's never been the solution, God. This is your body calling out to you as our God. And so we humbly say, God, fix us. Don't fix the country, fix us. And in the process, this land we love and that so many died and fought for will again be a place of peace. So we pray that. It's not naive. But God, we don't put our hope in anybody that has human skin on unless that person was the God-man Jesus Christ. And so we come to you now claiming this scripture written to the Jews through Solomon but applicable to us as well right now. And God, on this post-election moment, we need civility and we need humility and intercession like never before. Help us to use these spiritual weapons in this spiritual battle. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that. I'm reminded of 2 Timothy. Again, 1 Timothy chapter 2 that has this same kind of concept in it. This is what we are to be about right now and what we just did. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior. Why? Why are we praying for civility? Why are we praying in humble ways? He wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. The reason I'm asking you to do these things today is because the results will be staggering in our country. We are to be submissive to those in authority. As long as we are not required or forced to do anything contrary to the Scripture, we are to submit. So, again, let's do a little therapy. If the election went the way that you wanted to, I, please don't clap, please don't, show, don't raise your hand. If the election went the way, I can already tell how you thought it went just based on your Facebook feed. But if you like the way the election went, if you thought it was a good thing, give thanks to God for answering your prayers. But can I ask you this? Don't gloat. Don't taunt with those that disagree. And by the way, don't become complacent and assume that they're going to fix your problems because they will not. If your candidate didn't win, <laughs> I don't want you to pout. I don't want you to ridicule. I don't want you to undermine. I don't want you to riot. I don't want you to rebel. God is watching you, and so are a bunch of unbelievers. Amen. Let's be confident that in the end, God raises and disposes of kings on a daily basis. All things work together for good. Because regardless of who's temporarily in the White House, God still sits on the throne. You need to know that. And why am I talking about civility and humility? Lastly, we need urgency for the lost. We need civility, we need humility.
But this is what I'm going to be talking about a lot more this year and heading into next year. Urgency for those far from God. I have a sneaking suspicion that we are closer to the second coming of Jesus than we realize. I think the virus was just God's way of getting our attention. We're in the labor pains of birth. And if Jesus came today, I have a bunch of family and friends that I don't think are going to heaven. Now, how about you? Are you confident, not only of you in the room, are you confident, those of you watching, that you have that relationship with Jesus Christ? So I have increased my urgency for the loss. How about this? How about we vote for evangelism? How about we poll for matters of eternal significance? If we're going to debate, how about we debate how we can win even more people to Jesus? How about we campaign for that? See, I know my flock well. I've seen some of you. You've been driving around 275 on the Trump train. God love you. Go for it. I'm going to be looking for you to drive around just as passionate for Jesus right now. I'm going to be looking for some of you to post stuff about how to get in relationship with Jesus right now. I'm looking for you to give just as much money to the kingdom of God right now, because that's the solution to the problem. So what I think we need is less outrage and more outreach. We just live in a culture right now, friend, that's desperately lost their moorings and desperately lost their way. And we are sitting on the very thing that will fix everything they've ever had that's a problem. Everything is better with Jesus in it. And so every day is election day. Jesus votes for us. Satan votes against us. We get to the deciding vote. If ever there's a time for unity in our church, I'm saying it's right now. And I hope my words today haven't further divided us, but one of my favorite guy movies, maybe just a guy movie, is Gladiator. Any of y'all love Gladiator? This great Roman general Maximus through this maze of events goes from celebrated warrior to caged slave and then undefeated gladiator. And his growing fame brings him to the magnificent Colosseum in Rome. And it opens with the battle of Carthage, the gladiators, all foot soldiers are cast as the hapless Carthaginians. And the stage is set for a slaughter as they enter that big arena. But Maximus, now the leader of the gladiators, shouts to his men, stay together, stay together. He assembles them in a tight circle in the center of the arena, back to back, shields aloft, spears outward, and he shouts this line, whatever comes through these gates, we have a better chance of survival if we work together. If we stay together, we survive. And friend, that line, that attitude is exactly what we need right now. Whatever comes through the political gates over the next few hours, the next few weeks, the next few months, the next few years, we have got to stay together. And Jesus promised us that not only will we survive, whatever comes out of the gates of hell, we will prevail over. We will thrive. We will advance because nothing holds the church back when the church is working right. But when we argue and when we fuss and when we put our hope in any political system, friend, we are already defeated. If ever there was a time for us to be together, to win the lost and sake and save the lost, it is now. And I need you. 
I'm calling you to be sent out as missionaries and ambassadors filled with civility, filled with humility, and filled with urgency.